welcome to the Tennessee on Supply Chain Management podcast. Listen in as co-hosts Ted Stank and Tom Goldsby take a leap onto the ships of supply chain, crowd surf into the long lines of meeting holiday demand, and wade into the depths of warehouse inventory buildup. They'll cover all the relevant and current topics blocking the canal of your minds and discuss industry issues that keep you up at night. If you enjoy the show, download and subscribe to Tennessee on Supply Chain Management, wherever you listen to podcasts. Without further ado, let's begin our show, where you'll hear what you'd least expect from the people you want to hear it from the most. Our co-hosts, Ted and Tom. Hello and welcome to another edition of Tennessee on Supply Chain Management. I am Tom Goldsby. And I am pleased to be joined by my good friend, colleague, and co-host, Professor Ted Stank. Hello, Ted. Hey, Thomas. How you doing? Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Great to be back together. Certainly, we got a lot to cover in this podcast. And of course, a special guest that we'll be bringing into the conversation here in just a bit. But Ted, I want to be the first to uh, offer a happy National Supply Chain Day to you. Thank you. It's coming up a little bit later in the week, but frankly, I think after the year, maybe the last couple of years we've had, we deserve a whole week, maybe even a whole month for uh, National Supply Chain Day. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's appropriate. Certainly all of us know our supply chain professionals from line level warehouse and truck drivers to uh, to executives and mid-level managers have just been working their tails off trying to get product to shelves for consumers across the world. It has not been an easy two years, for sure. I got to run out to later, get to the greeting card section of my favorite retailer and grab up an armful of cards to, to hand out to my friends and colleagues out there, yourself included. So I hope I didn't give too much away there. But again, a lot going on. So don't tell me they actually at Hallmark have Happy Supply Chain Professionals Day. Well, if they don't, I'm going to petition for it because I think there's a huge, huge market for it. I think they're missing an opportunity. But Well, I heard they have them, Tom, but they're tied up in containers in China. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I hope they're not timestamp 2020 or 2021 or something ridiculous like that. Right. Be handing out last year's cards. That's entirely possible. But hey, to that point, an awful lot going on out there. And I know we want to jump right in. Uh, you know, some really interesting cues in the market of transportation, the general economy and global economics uh, certainly going on. And I think one thing we were wanting to touch on you know, right off the top were some interesting reads that we're getting on freight. And I always say the best indication of the health of our economy is whether or not stuff is moving. If people are buying and selling, it's going to move and it's going to largely move by truck. And we're getting some interesting reads, the truckload demand indicator reading of 58. Uh, Ted, can you explain what that means? That sounds like something well under 100. Does that mean uh, contraction in the market? Yeah, I mean, Tom, you and I have been talking on this podcast for a long time about when is demand going to tip down? And potentially this truckload demand indicator, which is a leading indicator for a lot of economic demand level information, is showing a downtick in the amount of freight that's actually moving by truck. Trucks haul 72% of freight in the U.S., and this is the lowest number we've seen since May and June of 2020. So 
everybody put their time caps on and think about what May and June of 2020 were like. We were all holed up in our houses. We weren't sure what was happening with the economy. None of the stimuli packages have been passed yet. And so that was a relatively slow time for demand. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Yeah. You know, you mentioned 72% of freight in the U.S. moves by truck. And, you know, aside from a few things, uh, if it's liquid or gas, maybe it's going to go by pipeline, but virtually everything moves by truck at some point in its distribution. So with fuel prices reaching uh, unprecedented peaks, you know, we expect those costs to continue to be increased, but maybe some softening in terms of the line haul rates for folks out there. Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting for this for a while. We've been saying the whole time that supply chain issues that we're seeing are both a demand and a supply issue, right? And we have consistently said that we weren't going to get back to any kind of normalcy, whatever that's going to look like, until demand tails down. And perhaps we are finally seeing that between the fuel price inflation. Maybe we're seeing the rundown finally of the stimuli effect from the COVID as people go back to work and things become increasingly normalized. I mean, I I would put a little red flag up to say that we are potentially seeing this downturn now. Now, that doesn't address the supply side, right, which is another issue we have to talk about. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't be an entirely bad thing if we could kind of catch our breath a little bit. And as you point out, we've been so dependent on goods, durables, and they've been inundating our ports as well as our interior transportation infrastructure networks. You know, we are getting into spring, summer, and people may be getting out. I'm not saying we're free of COVID by any means, and BA2 seems to be flaring up, but uh, maybe just maybe we we're at something of a herd immunity situation here in the United States. Uh, I think I saw where 60% of the U.S. population had been infected uh, with COVID and certainly Omicron was, if you will, helpful in elevating that number up and another round of vaccines. Hey, I got my second booster a few weeks ago, so I'm feeling a little bit liberated. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to getting out to a concert tonight. But you know, beyond what's going on stateside, some fascinating stuff beyond the confines of the U.S. Tom, before we leave that, let me also just throw in the impact of inflation, right? Certainly, that's going to be impacting demand. We've seen 30-year mortgage rates uh, increase above 4% to 5% for the first time in a long time. The Fed's promising another half percentage point uptick in the in the coming months. So that's another impact factor for demand that I think we have to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a good point. When we talk about businesses making decisions, we tell them that they ought to demand shape. Certainly prices, that final variable that we might go to in the market largely dictates what the prices are. But you're right. I mean, as far as uh, the Feds are concerned, introducing some interest rate increases. And we've seen one quarter point already. I, I suspect we might see more and less. You know, there's more talk of that R word recession uh, maybe entering into the conversation. But I did think that we might want to talk about uh, what's going on beyond the confines of the U.S. of A and talk about the larger global scene. And certainly uh, the war in Ukraine continues to press on. But from an economic standpoint, and I mentioned COVID earlier, but man, oh man, China just cannot seem to get a handle on this pandemic, can they? I mean, they're shutting down cities, plants, ports. They're trying to handle this, in my opinion, like it's still 2020 and we don't have an understanding of the virus. But maybe I'm being overly critical. Uh, Ted, I don't think I am. But could this lead to some sort of tsunami once they do finally open things up? Um 
Yes. <laughs> you know, and again, think about what we just talked about with this downtick in trucking freight volumes. Could that also be the fact that we're not having ships from China hit our shores? And so there's not as many containers coming inbound. Stand by, right? Shanghai's been shut down for the better part of four weeks. Beijing is about to shut down. Those containers are building up in warehouses, in trucking terminals, and um, we're not receiving sailings from Shanghai right now. When that picks back up and opens up, stand by again. I mean, it's really hard to parse out all these different indicators that we're seeing. And is it really demand? Or is it related to the supply side? So once again, happy supply chain day, everybody. We really don't know what's going on. There you go. Back in my uh, economics undergrad days, we studied something called equilibrium. And uh, we're nowhere near that. It seems like we overshoot on one side only to overreact and overshoot on the other side. And something you and I, Ted, we're, we were talking about About a year ago, we had a a piece in the Wall Street Journal about the bullwhip effect, that the orders just kept coming in and maybe the demand was going to be tempered at some point. And we kind of missed the mark because we didn't anticipate Omicron last year. Delta, I guess it was last year. Delta and Omicron, right? Yeah, both of them. And I've learned to put asterisks next to uh, any predictions I make because it's so contingent on on what's going on with the pandemic. Well, I think what we learned, Tom, is if we keep predicting it, at some point it'll come true. So we <laughs> That's just, right. It certainly gives people uh, something to, to, to rib us about when they run into us in person, for sure. And you know, as speaking of, I think, didn't I stick my neck out and say something like April uh, 28 or something was going to be when everything was going to settle down? And uh, Yeah, that was 2021, right? Yeah, I might have missed the mark there a little bit. So things continue to be wreaking havoc. And of course, you know, some of it's self-inflicted as it would lead to Russia's uh, shenanigans and suggesting their shenanigans doesn't seem to underscore the urgency and, and uh, truly fatal nature of what they're doing. But it's certainly having some some implications as we've talked about in previous podcasts, but maybe we ought to get up to date a little bit on, on where we are on things. You know, something you'd been watching were fertilizer prices and uh, how does fertilizer prices affect what's going on here stateside and around the world? Well, as things unfold in Russia and Ukraine, we started realizing all the commodity products that we get out of not only Russia, but also Ukraine. And one of the big ones is fertilizers for agriculture. And those fertilizer prices have reached record highs, which means that for countries that can afford it, food prices are going to go up. For countries that can afford it, they're going to see food yields go way down and stand by for a lot of food disruption in emerging countries in the emerging world as we go through these next couple of years. So so a lot of really scary things coming out of that. We're seeing a fall off of products shipping through European ports because of the constraints on shipping capacities coming out of the Black Sea and into ports like Rotterdam and Antwerp, et cetera. So just a lot of different impacts from the upheaval that we're seeing in that war. Well, it occurs to me that as we're talking about matters of global transportation, maybe that's a great opportunity to bring in our friend and guest for today's episode. Yeah, let's do that. Our good friend and colleague at University of Tennessee, Yem Bolomole, is joining us. Um, Yem has tremendous expertise in transportation, both domestic and international, and we've asked her to join us to comment on some of these issues. Yem, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Great to see you guys. I'm actually, I was laughing out loud 
listening to Tom there earlier, and I'm absolutely convinced I made the right choice by selling my crystal ball. <laughs> hey, I think mine's broken. <laughs> Something I learned from my old mentor, Tom Menser, is it is fine to predict a day in a month. Just don't predict the year. Well, by selling mine, I actually made more money than both of you are either going to make from your forecasting abilities. So I mean, that is shitty. <laughs> so don't quit our day jobs is what you're saying? Absolutely not. Um, it's interesting. I'm listening to Ted. You're talking about fertilizers and the effect it's going to have on on I, but particularly on on food at the retail point. But I actually want to take a little step back because as you were talking, it dawned on me. There's something that many of our supply chain colleagues typically sort of outsource. Like we worry so much about demand and supply sometimes that we fail sometimes to take a step back and ask the question before you can even execute that supply contract. What are some of the sanctions that we are seeing coming out of the United States government and out of NATO countries in particular? What are the effects that some of those are actually going to have on our supply chains today and going forward? And one area that I kept my eye on is in this compliance sector. Sanctions usually means that we will have to rethink the way we design our supplier selection and our supplier solutions. So it's not only a short-term supply shortage situation that many of our supply chain friends need to be keeping awake at night. But essentially, at this current point in time, you probably need to be really aware of how your supply chain is mapped. Like where are some of those suppliers that you do business with getting some raw materials from? Because I bet you if there is even one element of Russian sourcing within your supply chain, they would have entered that denied parties list that custom compliance really, really worries about, which would make it essentially illegal for you to buy something from them, even if you're unaware that that item originated out of a Russian entity or a Russian corporation. So I would almost say, you know, for that supply chain person today who has put global supply chain compliance in with where legal sits and it's not really communicating with your sourcing department, now's the time to maybe walk down the hallway. Yeah, no, good point. You know, we, we've had the same sort of dialogue around forced labor anywhere in the supply chain, conflict minerals, and previous legislation has required that you declare that to the SEC when you're engaged in commerce there. And I think a lot of companies found it onerous to try to take that on themselves. And it led to some really good cross-industry collaboration. It's like, hey, we're all sourcing those raw ingredients or products from common sources. Why don't we work together, kind of divide and conquer a bit? And you're absolutely right, Tom, because even if you were able, so think about it, even if this whole sanction situation softens in coming months, we actually now have included a lot of Russian items on some of our highest import tariff rates. And so I'm getting back to Ted's point on fertilizer. If we turn the corner and the sanctions were softened or even lowered, it may no longer be cost feasible to make some of these purchases. And so even though we're treating, some of us in our supply chain are treating the war as a hopefully short, medium-term effect, I actually think many of us need to kind of strap in and prepare for the much, much longer-term effect. Things are going to get more expensive. And, and again, I'm going to go back to your crystal ball moment. Things are going to get significantly more expensive in certain pockets of our sectors before they get any better. 
I'm not going to talk about your trucking index for now, but I'd like to come back to it at some point. If you haven't broken it completely, Ted, it's time to put it on market. I can tell you a couple of websites where you can get that crystal ball sold for about two seconds. <laughs> there is a market for it, actually, even as that how badly it's performed. Yes. To underscore your point, we like to talk about things in short term because these things pop up every day in our lives and we have to deal with them as supply chain managers. But I think the theme here is that we are in the midst of a long-term change in the global order, if you will, and supply chain managers need to have an end-to-end perspective of how our supply chains are going to look in the midterm and certainly the long term because the world is is changing dramatically. Uh, I'm going to call out um, one of the guys I really like to read, it, a guy by the name of Peter Zihan. He puts out a weekly newsletter. And one of the things that his newsletter said today was that if we thought that the world of big oil was difficult to manage from a geopolitical standpoint, there are relatively few suppliers of big oil. So from a geopolitical standpoint, you could focus on certain areas of the world. As we move to an all-electrical world, the number of countries and areas that supply those products that go into electrification, if you will, multiply by a big number. And that's just going to make the management of global supply chains all the more difficult because of the geopolitical complexities that builds. That's a big, scary Global thought, right? Let's pivot to something closer to home and more short term, which is the U.S. domestic trucking scenario. I know you've worked a lot in this area from a policy standpoint, a lot of things going on there. Um, One of the things I'll throw out to you to try to get your take on is Walmart that offered six figures. And in fact, just an anecdotal tale. Yem has tried to get myself and her husband to get a team driver CDL so that we can go on the road together and get both of us out of her hair for a while. I was going to say, is that something she worked out with your wife? Yeah, I think so. Yes. But anyway, um, and Walmart is seeing a pretty big uptick in applications for those jobs, which suggests that maybe we don't have a driver shortage. We just have a driver compensation issue. What are your thoughts on, on that whole labor issue, Yem? Well, first and foremost, the only reason I want you and him to get out on the road together is because I miss the old truck radio days. I just like to be able to have something parked in the house and just kind of hear guys just talk smack. That, that's all. That's all I'm looking for. And, and plus, I do like Tom's idea. Get you and he out of my hair for a second so I can actually get stuff done. You know, this truck driver thing, this, this is not the first time where we've been here. You read headlines that talk about driver shortage is going to kill the economy. And I think we've been trying to say for a long time, let's kind of get the nuance accurate. It's not so much an absence of availability of labor as much as the constant moving and attrition of the drivers that we actually have available. And yes, compensation and the supply chain conditions within which they work go to deliver a lot of reasons why some of our trucking companies struggle if you think about it, to keep their drivers happy. And the minute another carrier or shipper, in in the case of Walmart, offers either better rates, better compensation terms, you see many of these drivers moving. And, And it is that attrition that is creating what many of our shippers are referencing as driver shortage. Uh, the, the demand of for trucking 
it's it's not plummeting, right? You, you hear a lot of people talking about that. It's not plummeting. Is it softening a little bit because some of us are being a little bit more cognizant of our spending patterns, given what interest rates are doing? Yes. Are companies that are keeping their ears to the ground and understanding how you can properly reward drivers, maybe not by the mile, but maybe by the hour or some combination of the two, are they able to avoid or delay such attrition? Absolutely. But to the extent that we think we are going to continue in the old guard method of the labor market that defined the trucking industry on the one end, and then on the other end, wonder why some of our younger and up and coming folks are avoiding truck driving schools. You know, to the fact that you think you could combine both of those two extremes when not ever going back there. And just as a quick segue, one of the things the federal government has been talking a lot about, for the good or the bad of it, you know, depending on where you are, on how much the federal government knows enough about supply chain to be just sufficiently dangerous, <laughs> depending on where you are on that spectrum, the federal government is, within this new uh, infrastructure bill, talking about trying to resolve this driver shortage issue. Again, if we understand that it's a driver attrition issue, where policy can support it is by taking like a hundred year old do look at some of our labor legislation. Yeah, you and I have talked about that uh, Fair Labor Standards Act and how trucking was excluded from that back in the, correct me if I'm wrong, back in the 1930s, correct? Exactly. We're almost a hundred year overdue for a rethink and a relook at that. And just to clarify, that could potentially get trucking and truck drivers to be paid by the hour as opposed to by the mile. It could potentially. And if you actually look at Washington, D.C., there have been rumblings. And by rumblings, I mean there is a suggestion by two or three policymakers to put this on the agenda, you know, which if you're about as pessimistic as I have been, which means we'll get it done in another 50 years. (laughs) Did you happen to see the John Oliver spot on truck drivers a couple of weeks ago? I did. And as funny as and remotely sad as John Oliver can be, I would just put a warning out now. Do not go running looking for that clip unless you're on mute in the office. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be careful running those in class for sure. It was pretty pessimistic. If we do get to a point where we pay drivers by the hour, and I I think everybody on this podcast is aware that one of the biggest problems with drivers is that they have to wait a lot of time in traffic, uh, pickups, at drop-offs, and they're not getting paid for that, which is one of the big reasons for attrition. What would be the economic impact if we did go to a pay by the hour? You know, if I were going to speak from my glasses, always have empty perspective. The short answer to that is you and I will pay more for everything at the retail store. But honestly, the truth of that is actually that shippers in the short term will actually lose money. Because when you look at the stats, shippers, I mean, they have a reputation for being relatively slower to respond to changes in the transportation space. Carriers tend to be a lot more nimble because they feel the pain fairly quickly. So even if some of that costs were transferred to them right away, what would happen is many shippers will attempt to break contracts thinking there is cheaper and better to be found out there. And then they will kind of make this journey for about two years 
before they realize it is not a single carrier changing behavior, but an industry changing behavior. And that's when they then kind of back themselves into changing it. So, you know, if you have shopping to do, go do it now, because you might be able to get away with it while shippers are trying to readjust. Carriers will pick up on that cost increase right away because it's going to eat it the bottom line. As, as you've seen, that's what fuel has done, right? Fuel is eating right away into carriers' bottom line. It took a couple more weeks before you and I felt that at the grocery stores. Yeah, it's it's been interesting, as you point out, it's it starting to feel a little bit more like a seller's market in transportation. And it's hard to fathom when you're talking about more than 400,000 registered motor carriers out there. But Yim, to your point, you know, just as we've seen the rate increases that have been quite dramatic over the last you know, one to two years, that's something of a rallying, you know, when those annual price increases come around and also fuel surcharges, things of that sort seem to stick because you can't just assume that you're going to pick up the phone or connect electronically with your carrier and they're going to pick up the load. So there really is uh, maybe a time for the carriers to kind of unite. And it seems as though they have on the roads as well as on the water. We're seeing record profit taking among the steamship lines. Uh, maybe it is a time for some dramatic evolution, if not revolution, the way we look toward uh, the value of transportation. And ultimately, we're going to have to pay for it is what you're saying. Absolutely. And, you know, I heard your stats earlier on about demand softening and demand for transportation is plummeting or reducing. We're not there yet. Is the demand maybe slowing down in the pace of increase? And for my non-statistics friends, I so apologize for that confusing statement. Is is it reducing its pace of increase, perhaps? And I think you can thank the fact that your cost of money on your credit cards. But I would not put it out there. Again, I have sold my crystal ball, so let me just say that. I wouldn't put it out there that the demand of truck transportation is going away anytime soon. I, I say watch this space. I think it's going to get a little worse before it gets even remotely better. Well, Yem, thank you so much for joining us today. Your comments have been great. It's always great to have you on board. By the way, I'm not going to let you off so easy about selling that crystal ball. You're one of us. You've, I can see it in your office back there. I think she's got six or seven crystal balls. In <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Okay, I sold the green one. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, hey, everybody, we're going to wrap for today. Thank you again for joining us. As always, please send us any of your thoughts, comments, ideas or suggestions for speakers to uh, gsci at utk.edu. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Tennessee on Supply Chain Management. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe via your favorite listening platform, such as iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Leave a reply in our show notes at gscipodcast.com or email your questions to gsci at utk.edu. Join us next time in our pursuit to prove that supply chain management is more fun than you think.